0: Have you ever had one of those uh, experiences where you're in the airport or somewhere and you see an old friend, like a really old friend, Some of you haven't seen maybe in, in decades? And you see them and you look at them and you sort of recognize them, but you think, ah, oh, and you just keep walking. And they, they see you, but they recognize you. And they say, hey, it's me. It's me. It's th- your friend, John or Jane. And we try to, we look at them and we think, no. They're so different. They're so different. Maybe they've lost tons of weight or gained tons of weight or they have a beard or or something different and you don't recognize them. The the people of Israel, they were struggling with something similar with this when John came baptizing. See, the the religious leaders, they sent people out. They sent a group of, of men to go and check out John because they had a hard time seeing what God was doing. They had a hard time figuring out what was happening here. They were surprised by what God was doing. See, it was unexpected. Now, in one sense, they were expecting Christ. They were expecting Messiah, but not the way that God was doing it. Not the way that John was doing it. So they send these guys out to check John out. You see, in John's time, there were were a few different people who came as Messiahs. They claimed to be Messiahs. One was Judas of Galilee. I think he was the the 6th year, 6 AD. He came before Jesus. And he came and he was, like a, he was a, a revolutionary. He came to lead a revolt against the Romans. And so they're used to guys coming and saying that they were Messiah. And so when John is out in the Jordan starting to baptize people, they wonder, they think that something's up. You see, the trouble is, they were used to Messiah's coming one of two ways. Oftentimes they came as a military leader, as a, as a rebel leader, who would come and overthrow the Romans and, and restore Israel to its political height. Or else they thought it was going to be a religious leader who would come and, and and clean out all of the religious corruption and finally do things right and make things right. Or is it going to be a combination of the two? And yet when John comes and he starts baptizing beyond the Jordan, they start to wonder, what is this guy doing? So the leaders in power, they send out their guys to go check him out, to go ask him questions. Who are you? Their first assumption was he was the Christ. Their second assumption was that he was that he was Elijah, or that he was the prophet that Moses spoke about. So the first thing they think is, is is he a Messiah? Is he the anointed one? That's what Messiah or Mashiach, that's what it means is the anointed one, the one who was chosen, the one that God had chosen to come and lead. They wondered if it was him, if he'd come to liberate the people from Rome. See, in that time, the people of Israel, they hated living under Rome. They lived in their own land, but they were oppressed. They They were controlled by Romans. Roman soldiers moved throughout their land, took what they wanted, left the rest for the people of Israel. They didn't like it. They couldn't worship the way that they wanted to. They had laws and taxes. People were crushed in poverty, trying to pay taxes, not only to the temple, but also all the way back to Rome. It was horrible. And so they were looking for a liberator, someone to come and set them free. But they asked John, and they come asking, who are you? And he says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not that. So let's get that straightened out first. Then they asked him, are you Elijah? So if you're not the Messiah, are you at least the one coming before the Messiah? And interestingly, John says, no, I'm not. I'm not the one who's proceeding. But we also know from the Gospels, too, that, that he was, and even Jesus said, that he was Elijah. So it's interesting, I wonder, I'm not sure what John's doing here. Some people uh, guess at it, wondering if maybe he was trying, like Jesus, Jesus never really said, I, was, I am the Messiah, so to speak, because he was waiting for the proper time. I can't help but wonder if John was doing the same thing here. If they wouldn't understand. And so he says, no, I'm, I'm not the Elijah you think I am. But also, too, they asked if he was the prophet. If he was the prophet that Moses spoke about, that Moses promised, who would lead the people the way that he did. And he says no. But here's what he does say. John does say that I am a voice calling in the wilderness. And immediately our minds go back to Isaiah 40, the verse that we heard this morning, or the part of, the, of Isaiah. It said, I am a voice calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord in the desert. It says the valleys will be, made, will be brought up and the mountains will be brought low and everything will be leveled out. The rough places will be made smooth so that God can come that our living God would come to us. And as you keep reading there, it talks about this one coming, and, and he says, what should I cry out? And he goes, and tell people the good news, that, that God has come in strength and power. So as you read, if you were to know that whole passage of Isaiah, you'd know that, that, that when John says, I am just a voice calling in the desert, as subtle as that sounds, he's saying, I am the one who comes before God, to come and prepare the way for God. That God is coming into the world. That He is coming to do something new and change things. See, John was coming to prepare the people, to prepare people who were waiting for God, to help them understand again what it means to follow Him. He was calling people back to God, away from all the things, all the rules that they'd made in addition to God's law, all the things that they'd done. They were heading one direction. He's saying, Turn around and return to the Lord. Turn around and come back to him and prepare, for he is coming. Stop worrying about all your stuff. Set down all of your goals to have more and more things. Stop worshiping God with half your heart, with your spare time, or with your few hours a week. He's saying stop focusing on what you have. Stop focusing on more and more money. Stop focusing on all the stuff you have to do. Stop being so busy for God that you have no time for him. Return to God And be faithful. Live out your faith. Live it out in front of people. Pray more. Spend more time with God in prayer. Spend more time in his word. Letting God's word shape who you are. Let him challenge your ideas. Coming to God's word not to just find answers to to what you want to believe, but also to have God show you what he wants you to know. To be open to God speaking to you and changing your mind. Helping you realize who he is in a new way. He's calling people to return to God. It's as if, in these few moments, John has, has thrown back the curtain. Even though he said, no, I'm not Elijah, in, a, in the very same time, he's acting just like Elijah, fulfilling the role of Elijah, throwing back the curtain and saying, look, God is coming. The Lord God is coming, and he's going to change everything. He's going to come and be the Savior that we've been looking for. See, in those days, people needed to see God. They were looking for God in a particular way. They had it set in their mind that this tiny little box of what God was supposed to do, this tiny little box of what God was supposed to look like, and and John comes and says, it's going to be different than you expect. He helps them to see, even though they come to investigate him, to question him, to see if he really is who who they think he is, he comes and he says that I am a voice. I'm not going to fit into your categories that you have for me. I am a voice calling in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way for the Lord to make a people ready for God who's coming. But the great thing is, John does help us out. As we kept, as we kept hearing this morning, as, as um, Mara continued to read on, that he does say some pretty important things about Jesus. John's words and his actions help us to see who he is. They help us to see Jesus' identity. That he was more than just some great teacher. He was more than just a really great religious leader. That he indeed was a son of God. It was on the next day that he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a pretty big title. Now, there's nothing in, in, in any of those particular words. I mean, Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. I mean, that you could kind of apply that to a lot of situations. But he meant it in a specific way. I think he was talking, if, as you hear this, this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. you know what I hear? I hear Isaiah 53 the servant song, or the suffering servant. When Isaiah speaks of a servant. Now, it's interesting, is in Greek, it actually doesn't say take away, it says takes up, or more literally takes up. I mean, you could translate it both ways, fine. But, but he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, the one who takes up the sin of the whole cosmos. And as you hear that word take up, it reminds me of Isaiah. said that he took up our iniquities. He bore our suffering. God, he was punished by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was was upon him, and by his wounds we have been healed. See, all of us have gone astray. Like sheep, we've all gone our own way. And he's laid on him the iniquity of us all. And yet, even though he was oppressed, he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep is silent before the shears. So he did not speak a word. So here in Isaiah's song, in just a, just a few short verses of it, you hear this, this idea of, of God taking up our sin, or this servant, this Messiah, taking up our sin, taking up our suffering. But also at the same time, this image of God as a lamb, the servant being the lamb of God, who came and suffered oppression without making a lot of noise about it. So, John saying that here is the Lamb of God, it turns out, though the words lamb and, and take away sin, I mean, in their own right, you know, maybe we could mis- misunderstand that, but when you look at it in the light of Isaiah, God is saying something about, or John is saying something about Jesus, about who he is, trying to reveal to us his identity. And he says, that, I testified that I saw this, the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove and resting on him. And we hear the words of Isaiah again. Isaiah 42. When God says, He is my servant whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. And Isaiah goes on to talk about how this this servant will come and he'll bring justice. He'll make things right. He'll be a light to the Gentiles. he'll set free the oppressed and those who are sitting in darkness. He'll bring recovery of sight to the blind. And Isaiah he prophesied about this servant who would come, who would do these things, but it would begin by God putting His spirit on him. But it's also the same too that he talked about in Isaiah chapter eleven. He Talked about out of this, this sprout or this sprout or this um, the sprout will come out of the shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse from the from the line of Jesse from the house of David, the shoot will come up, and said and God said He would put His spirit on him a spirit of wisdom and understanding and power. The spirit of God is on Jesus. John saw the spirit come down like a dove and remain on him. You see, in John's eyes, Jesus is more than just some ordinary man. In John's eyes, he's seen the spirit of God on him and he's making all these connections. He's beginning to see and he's wanting us to see who Jesus is. So John testifies that I baptize people in water, but this one who is coming, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This right here is another clue. You see, in the last days, people, thought, people knew that God would come and he would put his spirit on them. He's saying that Jesus is coming to baptize you in the Spirit. And it reminds me of Ezekiel chapter 36, where God says, I will take you out of the nations, I'll bring you into your own land. And I will give you a new heart. A heart not of stone, but a heart made of flesh. A heart that's not hardened and angry and resentful, but a heart that is soft, that is gentle, that is alive again. I will give you a new heart. he said, I will put my spirit on you. God said he would put his spirit on them. and you would be careful to keep my laws, to follow my ways. Then you would be in the land of your forefathers, and you would be my people, and I would be your God. Jesus has come to do this, to pour his spirit out on the people of God, to make us God's people again, to reignite this life that we're supposed to have in God, to bring us alive again in him, to remind us that we're part of a bigger story, not just a story of ourselves, which is important. But if that's all we focus on, if our biggest story is ourselves, our stuff that we have and and how many hobbies we have, it can be okay for a while, but that starts to run out after a while. We were meant for more than that. Every one of you here in this room is meant for something more, meant for something bigger, to be a part of God's story in this world, his redemption and salvation of this entire creation. You were meant to be a part of this. In just a few words, just a few things, John provides us this collage of images. Collage of, of images from Isaiah. Different images of Isaiah the servant, the one who would receive God's spirit. The lamb who would come. The lamb who would now has come, but also stands in the center of the throne room. And all of heaven worships and praises. John holds all these images together. Rather than just saying, Jesus is the Christ, which people could argue. He begins saying that I am the voice calling in the desert. And I've seen the Spirit come on him. God is at work, and God is showing us who Jesus is. But here's the thing that surprises me. As you read through this, there's this one part where John says, even I did not recognize him. He said, I saw the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. And remain on him. But I did not recognize him. Even John didn't see it. He said, It wasn't until the one who had sent him, basically, he's saying, It wasn't until God the Father said, The one on whom I put my spirit, this is the one, watch for him. It wasn't until God said that to him that John finally got it. See, John had everything going for him, so it's surprising. I mean, he came from a line of priests. His father, Zechariah, came from the, from the line or from the family of Abijah. His mother, Elizabeth, she came from the house of Aaron. Like, he had the bloodline. Not only that, but if you remember from last week, all the things going into John's birth. I mean, the fact that Elizabeth had a child in her age. Everybody knew that God's hand was on him. In fact, they were puzzled by it, and, and rumors spread. I mean, the news spread all throughout Galilee about John. They knew something about him and and he said that the Holy Spirit would be on him even from his birth. So John is something special about him yet he did not see. He still needed God's help to see who Jesus was. But when he saw the Holy Spirit come down as a dove on him that's when he began to understand because God spoke to him and says the one on whom I put my spirit this is the one. And so John realized, to the point that he said, by the end of it, he said, this is the Son of God. He said, surely I testify, this is the Son of God. It was by God's Spirit. It was by God revealing it to him that he knew. That Jesus was more than just some great teacher. He was more than just some political rebel. He was the Son of God. It helped me to realize this. As we're here in the season of Epiphany, today is the first day of Epiphany, Epiphany is a Latin word for realization. This is a season where once again we realize who Jesus is. We'll be working through the the series, we'll be working through the first few uh, chapters of John as Jesus begins to demonstrate who he is. And people struggle to see it. But it reminds me that we have friends that we need to pray for. Friends and family members, people we care about. That they need to see who Jesus is too. We keep praying for them. That's, I would say that's the most important thing we do. It's important that we speak with them, that we find opportunities to encourage them, to ask them questions. Well, what do you think about Jesus? Or else maybe they have questions about, um, about God and his... Like, if God is so good, then why do bad things happen? That we ask them questions. How are you doing with that question? Here's some things that I've been thinking about, and here's how i work through it. That we keep having those intentional conversations, but more importantly, that we pray for them. Because we need God's Spirit. Each of us need God's Spirit. Faith is so much more than facts and figures. Facts and figures are important. They get us a long way down the road, but faith is ultimately more about God's Spirit working in us. It's true, we have a choice, we have a, a response to make. But we need God's Spirit. We need God to reveal himself to our friends and to us. So we continue to pray for others. But also in this season of epiphany, I'm asking to, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself like this. Lord God, help me to see who you are again. Help me to see you. Lord, if there are things that I have, ideas about you that I have that aren't quite right, help me to see them, God. I want to know you better. I want to see who you are. Show me again, Father in Heaven. Show me again your holiness. Show me again your love for us. Help me to understand, God, your sovereignty. That you are creator of all things. That you are God. And as much as you love me like a father, that I still understand that that I can't take you for granted. Lord God, help me to see you, Lord Jesus. Help me to understand in a new and a fresh way the extent that you went to save us the fact that you became human and lived among us. Help me to read through your parables again, to understand the kingdom of God better. Help me to read through the Sermon on the Mount to understand what it means to follow you faithfully. That we continue to pray this for ourselves. That we continue to pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to understand the scriptures better. Help me to read and not just see words on a page, but to hear your word moving and changing. These are good prayers for us to pray. Sometimes we forget to pray them. Maybe sometimes we think, I've, been, I've heard all this before. I've read that passage of John more times than I can remember. See, that's just the beginning of taking God for granted. The moment we say, I know all the answers, that's a dangerous place. The moment we think, oh, I've, I know all that stuff. I've, I've read through John's, John's gospel more times than I can think of. That's a dangerous place. And I want to challenge you. To challenge you through this season of epiphany, these next five weeks, that you would pray, that you continue to pray, Lord, help me to see you better. Help me to see you in a fresh way, in a new way, that a surprising way. Lord, help me to be open to being challenged. I invite you to do this. And I pray for you today. I pray that you continue to hear God's spirit working in you. But as you hear this morning, as you hear the word of God, as you hear Jesus and who he is, as you hear echoes of Isaiah about the servant, this servant that God had sent, as you see these connections between him and Jesus, that you begin to realize in a new way who Jesus is. And it's okay if God surprises us. You saw these religious leaders whom the priests and the Levites sent. They were surprised at John. I want to encourage you. (laughs) There's not something wrong with you if you realize, oh, That's different than I thought. See, we live in a society where people make you feel like you can't say, oh, I was wrong, or I needed to think about that differently. Be open to this in Scripture. Even if you've been studying for decades, be open. Lord God, help me to see who you are in a new way. And keep praying for our friends. Keep praying for people of our community, that God would reveal himself to them. For as much as it is, we have a part to play, for as much as we have a role in terms of asking them and encouraging them and helping them to understand, ultimately, it's by God's Spirit. I've seen it just so many times where you're talking with someone for, for weeks or months or years and then you almost give up and then they say, yeah, I, was just, I don't know, one day it just happened. I just realized that, you know, Jesus really is the Son of God. And you're just like, ah. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to tell you for years. So keep praying for our friends. Keep praying for the people that you know who you've been praying for. And I ask that you keep praying for yourself. Keep asking God to reveal himself to you. Be open to new things, to the surprising ways that God works. Amen.